I'm Luke Simmons. And I am Seth Trout. And we are here to critique the hell out of culture. All right. Well, welcome back to the King and Culture podcast. It's great to have you all listening. Uh, Seth, how are you today? I am well and doing better as the day goes on. Oh, wow. Good and getting gooder. Took my vitamins. Took my Flintstones vitamins. Oh, had a baby. Well, um, yeah, we're glad you all are listening. Uh, I think this is going to be an important conversation, uh, probably one that uh, has a little bit more of an internal focus. You know, a lot of times we sort of start looking at some issue going out in the world and always try to end up having that look and reflect on ourselves as followers of Jesus. But we're kind of mostly, I think, today uh, maybe going the other direction where we're kind of looking at ourselves. And I think what we're going to talk about is definitely impacted by other dynamics going on in culture. Um, but this is uh, probably a little bit more of an internal uh, gut check on some things. Yeah, I think the broader issue we're talking about here would be uh, what a lot of sociologists or theologians describe as being consumerism. Hmm. Uh, a lot of consumerism goes from that. Uh, so consumption is not bad. You know, eating food, buying and selling products is not bad. But consumerism is when that kind of becomes a worldview, a way that you look at the world. Hmm. And part of what consumerism does is it, reduces all exchanges and connections and places and people to some type of exchange of goods and services based on uh, the consumer's demands or desires. And what ends up happening is like, I think about, I have a couple of friends who have Androids. I have an Apple, mm -hmm. an iPhone, and everyone has one of those products because they believe that that product is better. Sure. And it's one of those, even if they didn't believe their product was better before they bought it, after they bought it, we have to like justify to ourselves, this was a good purchase, you know, and that kind of, uh, everyone who has a car has a reason they have that well, car. And if they decide to switch, it'll be because they no longer are convinced that that's the best thing. Yeah. So we can't just have stuff. We have to have stuff that we think represents us, that we think is better than other stuff. And, uh, and we'll easily swap it out if, if we find something better. Yeah. And you know, people who are Android people, it's becomes part of their personality and people who are Apple people it becomes part of their personality. And, Basically, we see the things that we buy and sell as way too closely bound up with our identity. Hmm. You know, even like the movie Fight Club talks about this, and it's you know it's such like a bro film. But he's talking about which coffee table best represents me as a person, and he's that movie's poking fun at that reality. But that kind of consumeristic mentality of that that which I surround myself with and what I attend to and what I give money to is a way that I'm branding myself. And so even though it's about consumption of products, of goods and services, it ends up being a way that I'm trying to project an image to the world around me. And so we end up having this like consumeristic mentality all the time that yep. we're rather than just enjoying or receiving or existing, we're always evaluating. Like we kind of walk around in our heads with this like Yelp review system, throwing stars at things. Sure. Right. And we have four star experiences, three star experiences. And there's, it kind of creates this absence of gratitude. There's just, uh, I am doing this because I think it's best and I have a reason why I do it's best. And you see that bleed into the church a lot of times as well, that the way that people talk about churches is can sometimes become a way that we're just branding ourselves as different or better than other people, right? Everyone who goes to a small church says, oh, here's the reason why small church is better. Everyone who goes to a big church, like, oh, here's the reason why big church is better. And it's rather than just kind of being able to be present and being grateful, there has to be this rationale for why I'm consuming the best product that's out there. Yeah. And why you should consume similar products and not other products. Well, and with it seems like it comes a bit of a transactional mindset. Yes. Right? Like I'll do this to the degree that it's a good transaction, that I kind of get a good deal on it. 
you know, whether that's a phone or a church, right? And so, uh, but but when that does bleed into the church, it gets a little bit challenging because the Bible doesn't tend to use that kind of language. It uses more family, more covenant, more uh, committed, more we're a body. A body doesn't, you know, a part of the body doesn't easily leave the rest of the body, um, nor, you know, that kind of a thing. So, it, yeah, it creates an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and one of the things that I've been just feeling grieved about over the last couple of years in particular, and I'm sure this is not a new problem, you know, the endless splintering of the church into denominations all over the place is largely birthed out of some type of seed of this uh, consumeristic mentality, right? Like we we got to have it your way. We've got to do the Burger King thing. we got to make sure that if I'm a no pickles guy, that there's no pickles on it. And if they start putting pickles on it, then I'm out of here. And, and that, that kind of process bleeds into a lot of stuff. And I've just personally seen and witnessed a lot of that consumeristic mentality, that consumeristic thinking bleed into the local church. Yep. And it happens a ton. I noticed in some of like our newer members classes. Hmm. And it's one of the things that I really feel compelled to push on as new people are coming to our church is a lot of times people will come and say, Oh, I'm here now because my past church blank, blank, blank. And it's sure. Uh, un bad stuff. And some of the stuff, you know, people get really hurt. People, um, change their convictions or people move or relocate. Sure. But I, and this is one of the things I appreciate that you do really well is you like, you tend to be pretty connected to the lead pastors of other local churches. So, yep. Oh, sure. Billy Bob. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's fun. When, I was at, I was if, at lunch it's fun with, when someone yeah. comes and kind of talks trash about a local church that they used to be part of. And I go, Oh, well, I, yeah, I know that pastor. He and I are friends. Yeah. And I was talking to him the other day and it kind of, like you can kind of go, you just sort of see the air go out of the balloon. Oh, you're not going to join the bash on that church party yeah. with me. No, I'm not going to do that. And and even saying like, hey, those those folks are our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Well, what's interesting when you think about consumerism, and we've already kind of hit it in this conversation, is it feels like when we think about the church, it could lead to two different kinds of errors. One might be, um, where a relationship with a given church is just too easily discarded. Yes. Right. Like, well, I, I found a better found a better church i found a better thing i found better teaching i found better music i found a better blah 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 i had netflix and now i have disney plus so. yeah it's and you just kind of trade it out and you you know change your subscription kind of a thing that that seems like a problem but that's not probably as much as what we're talking about here today is is the other problem which is to kind of the flip side to go mine is the only good one yeah right and i have the best one this is kind of where you were starting like i have the best product i have the best church this is the only way to do it and I kind of think even just in my own story, you know, when I when I became a Christian, I kind of had this understanding you should go to church. And initially, I think I just thought like, well, that meant you should just be in a church on a Sunday. And so it didn't matter which one. It didn't matter if it was the same one. It didn't matter if you knew anybody. You just needed to be there somewhere hearing preaching on Sunday morning. And so I tended to have more of that first view that was real kind of like, oh, where's the where's the best show lately kind of a thing. And then as I got more involved and committed to the idea of a local church, I almost kind of swung the pendulum so far the other way that it was kind of like, this is the only good church. This is the only good teaching. This is the only right doctrine. This is the only appropriate distinctives. And uh, and I probably, if I, for me, I mean, obviously as a leader and as a pastor of, of you know, Redemption Church and Redemption Church Gateway, I'm not really inclined to easily discard that. I But I am pretty tempted to go, yeah, you know, the way we do it is really like the way. It's, it's, and, and sometimes not even just, it's what I think is the best way, but it's the right way. And uh, so I think this is an important conversation. 
Yeah, I think that that mentality can bleed out into other things. Like I think about your and Molly's marriage versus Taylor and I's marriage. And there's a lot of similarities, but there's also like real differences. Sure. And, you know, I like cooking outside more because I have a trigger and you got to get your money's worth, you know. <laughs> yeah. You like cooking inside more. But if I came to your house and I was like, hey, Luke, if you're a real man, you'd cook outside more. Sure. It, you'd be like, what the heck is wrong with you? Yeah. Get out of my face. I like, well, you, you I did, like, you I did, like making the, pasta. What's your problem? The other day you sat in my office and got real serious for a second. You said, Luke, I need to talk to you about something friend to friend. I said, yes. And you said, you need to get a Traeger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but that wasn't you saying like the only real way to cook food is Traeger. It was just going like, hey, I really like this. Like, and I think you this might like it too. This is a blast. I'm right? enjoying it. This, yeah. is, this is great. But it wasn't going like, and our friendship's on the line if you don't get one, you know. Yeah. And you're being like, I hear you and I believe that you believe that, but I'm not going to do that. Which you didn't exactly I'm, say I that. Might, I might. I don't you're know. You're considering it. But it's like you may or may not. And trying to have that similar uh, view of other churches like there are households or like expressions of households and these different households have different mothers and fathers in them and they do things slightly differently and trying to be overly preoccupied with like the interrelational dynamics of you and molly to the point where i neglect yeah or even if i waste like five seconds thinking about like how luke and molly should be different i'm kind of wasting a lot of my time again versus if i'm connecting with my wife and trying to figure out what's mm -hmm. the best way for us to do it and so uh, that kind of really gets to a lot of what I've been wrestling with and thinking through in my own heart, even growing up in a church, leaving that church, coming to this church, going through uh, the pandemic, passing the pandemic, different people doing different things, online church, in-person church, video church, et cetera, et cetera, that I think a lot of us have these two buckets that are default. Right? Hmm. There's right ways and then there's wrong ways. There, and, and that is true. Yes. There are things and that are have, right and wrong. We have two buckets, right? Yep. There's the right stuff, and then there's the wrong stuff. Yep. And then there's sin, and there's innocence, right? But what I've been noticing is this need for a third bucket, and I think that mm. this third bucket is probably larger than even the other two buckets. Okay. And the third bucket is just things that are different mm. or things that I wouldn't do that way or things that... They're preferences. Yeah, they're preferences. Or or wisdom in a... Or maybe it's a context kind of a thing, right? Like this is this is something that really makes sense here that might not make sense in a different community. Yeah, and what I find is that when I'm walking in insecurity, and I've talked to other pastors about this as well, is that when pastors in general are feeling more insecure, and even when they're feeling like um, people may not be as excited about my local thing as I am, then one of the ways I have to generate excitement about my local thing is by harping on other people's local things mm. like no this is the best product this is the right this are the way that we do church is the way the truth and the life and so all the other churches you can't trust them you have to trust us and it kind of creates this us versus them mentality and i think part of it is that kind of consumeristic market niche thing that when uh, pastors are insecure about giving or attendance you have to kind of sell people on your tithes do more here than they do elsewhere because elsewhere they're squandered or wasted or yeah. Like well, and I think and I think a lot of us just as people we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Yes. And so, in a sense, there is kind of a market for um, being kind of told like you're part of something that's unlike anything else anywhere. Is yeah. like, ooh, well, I want in on that. You know, um, it's the same reason why when I watch LeBron James in year 19 do well, I get excited, even though I do not care an ounce about the Lakers or even like about their teams. Just like it, it's just sometimes you just want to see greatness keep being great. Yeah. 
And you're like, man, if he could do that in, in year 20, oh sure. my gosh. And you're like, oh, he's injured. Man, I hope this doesn't end it for him. So you, like, we want to, we're all bandwagoners at heart. Sure. And there's an aspect of that too that we feel about with our local churches. And it creates this environment where it's tempting for leaders and tempting for congregants to disparage or slander our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And not even if we're disparaging or slandering them, but just kind of standing coldly, aloofly in judgment, looking down our nose and saying like, hmm. Yeah. Like putting ourselves in the seat of judgment and trying to do this, who should be doing it differently? And it's like nobody's invited us to be the Pope of these other Protestant churches. Right. Right. And, And that's kind of part of that mentality is this belief that we think that we are all we we're Protestants are like yeah we don't like the pope but then we all act like we're the pope and judging uh-huh. other churches and sure. pres- believing that we have authority over our churches and telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing and there's a reality that being able to say like i have convictions and saying like here's what i will do and here's what i won't do mm-hmm. and here's why but being able to say that in a way that's not saying and anybody else who does it differently sure question their salvation and you should. Yeah. You know. So you mentioned the three buckets and I, I assume as people listen, I mean, we, we get increasingly just fun conversations and feedback with people who listen. So we're thankful for all y'all who listen. Yeah. And I know some of you who listen come from a lot of church experience and a lot of different backgrounds. Others of you are like kind of going, I, this is all pretty new to me. And I kind of like this podcast cause it's fun to hear you guys kind of talk about a bunch of stuff I don't understand, but I, you know, but I'm learning and you know, so, um, we're not going to create an exhaustive list, but I'd be curious for you, Seth, what would be some things that you would put in each of those three buckets? So what would be some stuff when it comes to just how we do church? You'd go, this is right. It's not just a, our preference, but this is right. What are some things that you'd say this would be wrong? And then what would be some examples of things that might be in that, that lar- what you're saying might be a larger bucket of different? Yeah, so my bucket of what is absolutely right Meaning, I think if anybody does it any different, that they're like in grave danger of the judgment of God and, yeah. and or they're maybe not Christians. My bucket of that, I feel like is getting smaller and smaller and more and more specific. Okay. Like in, in that's where I think the term heresy comes from is heresy is going your own way. And historically, heresy was mostly defined as being like contra creedal, meaning against the creed. Mm. So you're going, if the credo is like what we believe we believe uh, what I believe. And so going back to the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So if someone is saying, I believe in God, the Father slash Mother Almighty. There's a variation. Yeah, I'm going, that's contra-credal. Yep. That's heretical. Yep. That's not open to difference. You're now going against. So it's like the identity of God, in particular like the Apostles' Creed, triune God, Jesus Christ, the only Son, See the see the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Someone's like, nah, maybe Mary wasn't a virgin. They go, okay, wrong. Yep. You know, suffered. To suffer, you have to have a body. So Jesus didn't have a body. That's, that's heresy. You know, all, yeah. all on down the list. So and, there's some doctrinal things that you'd say this is in the right category, right? If, if there are doctrines that individuals or congregations are embracing that are contrary to the creeds, contra-creedal, heretical, you go, okay, that's that'd be wrong. Yeah. But to embrace the orthodox, true, historic, biblical teaching would be right. Yeah, and a lot of what I'm finding my heart drawn towards, and I, I'm not totally sure if this is just like the, the stress of the last two years or whatever, is trying to limit the what's absolutely right category and the absolutely wrong category 
to like the historic Christian doctrines and teachings because so much of what ends up happening, even when it comes to uh, like ethics and ethical process is it's, it's cultural, it's local, it's embodied. And so if uh, it's like, there's some churches that are in the area that they don't really do like expository teaching on Sunday mornings. Okay. Expository teaching. I think what you mean is kind of typically verse by verse. Yeah. So working through a passage, you know, we're talking about this like sequential exposition. Yeah. Meaning you work through a text, you teach the text, you apply the text. Sure. Yeah. A lot of churches don't do that necessarily. Yeah. And other alternatives to that would be like topical preaching, picking a topic, Mm -hmm. doing that. Another way of talking about topical preaching is it's, interesting systematic theology mm-hmm. sure or ethics right you're taking a variety of verses from throughout the scriptures trying to summarize the whole bible's teachings on something and apply it topical preaching sounds more seeker driven if you say you do uh systematic theology but interesting then you just sound a little more nerdy so <laughs> it kind of depends sure. on the flavor um other churches uh that we're connected to do less like monologue less preaching more like dialogue mm-hmm. more like less pulpit and more circle on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, the sermon itself would be like some Q and a, and it would feel maybe more like a seminar yeah. kind of feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it's even like in some of the like medium to smaller size churches, mm-hmm. other churches like house churches kind of sit in a circle and there's kind of like a collective interpretation application mm-hmm. of the text and all those later things or I'm not interested in doing that. Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, I really believe in expository preaching. I really believe in opening up the text, teaching the text, applying the text, the heralding, the announcing, the proclaiming, uh, all that we do on Sunday mornings. Like, I believe in it, and I like it, mm-hmm. and I think it's effective, Yep. and it bears fruit. But you wouldn't necessarily put it in the, it's the right way to do it. No. Bucket. no I, Is there anything that's more methodological so you're talking about, I mean, talking about the doctrine and kind of the, you know, creed, especially like kind of getting into like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, like these old historic creeds. That's more doctrinal theological. Is there anything you'd put in the, here's a method that's right? Yeah, so the, the historically there have been like three marks of the church that I would understand in the Protestant church in particular. Um, and especially like these are like the roles of elders. And so the elders were to do these three things and this is like where they call it the quote, church was theirs. One was the dividing of scripture or the right dividing of scripture. So the Bible's being taught. So everything we just talked about before was like different ways of the Bible being taught. Yeah, do it interactively, do it as a monologue, do it uh, through sequential books of the Bible, do it through themes. Yeah, so... Either way, it's teaching the Bible. So if someone's like, ah, we believe in the Apostles' Creed, but we're not going to divide the word. It's like, well, that's wrong. So that would be a practice that I think, especially like church history would say, like if you're not teaching the Bible somehow mm-hmm. you're out to lunch and you're not really even a church. You're just kind of a gathering of people with some shared values or something like that. Yeah. The second one is the administration of the sacraments, which Protestants understand as uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread and wine or juice, and the uh, putting people in water and out of water as marks of conversion and marks of ongoing table fellowship. But then there's variability on that. Like you see this in like this early church document called the Didache, which means just means teaching in in Greek, and how there's like this pragmatism to it, where it's talking about hey you need to baptize, in immersion you need to immerse people. This is one of the reasons why I'm a Baptist, meaning I don't like sprinkling people, 
Yep. But but even this, like early, this is like the oldest Christian document we have outside the scriptures. And it's like wisdom for church leaders is basically mm. the idea. It's like, yep. hey, ideally you'd baptize people in rivers because the river symbolizes like the washing away of sins. Like mm. you, you get, you dunked here and now your dirt is like downriver. Yeah. Like it's gone. Okay. If you don't have a river, a lake is good. A lake will do the trick or a large tub is <laughs> sufficient. Yeah. But then even like some of like the application to like African or drier climates, deserts like Arizona, this was sure. before plumbing. If you don't have a, uh, a body of water, um, sprinkling in the name of the Lord, mm-hmm. like dumping some water in someone's head is also sufficient. Sure. So there's like this, you must be bapt- you must be baptizing people. And here's like this pragmatic, symbolic, preferential. And someone's like, okay. Like, and that sp- stuff's not meaningless, but it's not rising to the level of, and the way we do baptism is right. Yeah. So it's, it's like, so if you are, it's spring- right to do yeah. baptism. If a church said, we don't do baptisms, you'd go, well, that's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's right to do it, um, but there's different ways you might approach it. Yeah, and, and some of that, even just like you see the heart of like the early church fathers and mothers, is relatively pragmatic. Mm-hmm. It's like what's available, what's not available. Uh, so you could see like there's some people here who have been baptized in a river, yep. and it's like, but if if we said like, hey, we're going to cancel church and go down to the Salt River and do baptisms there because that's just better. Like I, I don't. <laughs> it's probably better if you're like live a hundred yards from there, but it's sure. not better if you have to like right. caravan a thousand people down to the river and do it all. So it's, so there is kind of some measure of it's contextual, it's symbolic, right? It's, uh, it, there's like this picture mm-hmm. there. And the third mark is the, um, uh, exorcism of church discipline or ex, it's where the word excommunion comes from communion. Yep. Communion is taking the Lord's table together saying, Hey, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's share, break the bread, drink the juice. And we can share that together. So excommunion or excommunication is not shunning, um, but it's actually saying, hey, I don't feel comfortable saying that we're both Christians. Yeah. Because you're refusing to repent. You're saying Jesus is not Lord. Yep. And so we should not have the Lord's table together. And so that's when we, when someone here, um, this is, we've actually, I think only done this once in the five years I've been here where someone's like, I'm a Christian, but I don't care what God says about blank. Like, okay, well. Right. Until you believe Jesus is Lord, we don't think you should share join us for the Lord's Supper. That's not going to work. And so, um, but even then, like the process and the way in which different churches do church discipline varies. If your church is uh, fourteen people or fourteen hundred people or fourteen thousand people, like there's a lot of variability there. Yep. And even defining what the different spaces people can occupy when they're like Christians or non Christians or sure or like. Can, can a non-Christian serve on Sunday morning by helping at the coffee counter, you know? And like, I would say like, sure. You know, they're not, yeah. they're not believing they have any spiritual authority over people. Nobody's like, and someone else might say, you know what? I don't think that's a good idea because if, if a new person had a question and they asked a, someone serving coffee, like they might not, they might get bad answers. Right. And like, we, that wouldn't be your preference. That wouldn't be my preference to limit, you know, serving coffee to only, you know, baptized Christians. But someone could have that preference, and yeah. what you're saying is that would all that stuff would fall in the different category, not the right or wrong. So I'm curious this. So so you got the, and, and again we're not going to exhaust it, but what what I'm hearing you say is like my my bucket for what's right is small, and getting even more, and getting smaller, yeah, or getting more precise, or you know, 
and, like, and, like you're not going to die on it, all the hills maybe you would have 10 years ago. Yeah, and part of it is my just real belief. So my real belief that even these other churches that are doing stuff that I wouldn't do or stuff that I maybe would say like, I'm tempted to think you shouldn't do that, but I don't, I'm not there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I know one of my buddies, like his kid just got diagnosed with something and we had a conversation about it. And afterwards he called me. I was like, Hey man, I kind of feel like you were questioning my parenting mm. about with this kid. And I, one was grateful. He called me afterwards and it was like, yeah, I love it when people get bad vibes and they follow up on them. They don't just sure. like bury them and let it become seeds of bitterness that grow into mm-hmm. trees of distrust. Yep. I was like, Hey, I'm really sorry. I gave you those vibes. You know, you know, your kid way better than I know your kid. Yep. And sometimes when I confused, I ask very pointed questions yep. that can sound like I'm questioning you, but really I'm trying to understand. And yeah, so we got, we had this goal kind of back and forth conversation. There's that belief of like, if I think that I know that kid, that guy's kid better than he knows his kid. Sure. Then I'm just not only arrogant, but I'm stupid. Yeah. Totally. And, and so, lo- so local families doing stuff based on what they're seeing in the congregants based on their kids and based on what they're seeing is, is I, I understand there's so much like locally derived wisdom that kind of like real localist. I can't really judge what's going on in the church in Timbuktu. Sure. I'm not there. I don't know what the idols are dealing right. with are. Yep. I don't know what the cultural tensions are. I don't, yeah. I have to, but I do know that there are people who believe that there is one God and he is three persons, father, son, and spirit. Sure. And so part of it is in my own heart fighting to really believe that these people are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Even if we have some substantial disagreements, I want to be able to not just smugly say they are wrong, but tr- I'm trying to believe like this is like the love believes all things. First Corinthians 13. Mm-hmm. And so some of this is in my own heart, just trying to fight for believing that it's different, not necessarily wrong. Yeah. So, so I, I, we're going to, we're spending a lot of our time on the different, which is good, but just to, to kind of close the loop on it. So there's the kind of relatively small list of things that are right. Is the things you'd put in the wrong bucket, just the like inverse of that? Or are there things you'd go, no, there's a longer list of things that are wrong. Like, like I can think about it going like, there are a lot of, good ways that you can talk to your kids. There's also a lot of wrong ways you can talk to your kids, right? Or you use the example of, you know, uh, our, you know, marriages, right? Like, like there's a lot of different ways that we might go. I talk, Molly and I make decisions like this and Molly and I have conversations like that. And Molly and I relate to one another in these ways. And you might go like, well, there's not a right way to make decisions or to talk or to relate, but there's a lot of wrong ways. So I get, I'm curious, kind of your sense of that is the, is the wrong bucket just the kind of shadow of the right bucket or is it bigger than the right bucket in your mind? I think the wrong bucket. And and again, you're not the Protestant Pope. I think your sense of it, the wrong bucket is big and always getting bigger. So almost the opposite of the small, like Mm. the right bucket. I'm truly trying to go like, this is what makes us family in, in Christ. Whereas the wrong bucket, I feel like. Humans are always inventing new ways to sin and inventing new ways to do stuff stupid. Okay. And it's like for me, one that would be in the wrong bucket is uh, like doing same-sex marriages. Okay. Like churches, 
that was not in the wrong bucket 100 years ago because nobody was doing it 100 years ago. Yeah, okay. And now it's like, oh, we came up with a new way to do it wrong. Put it on the list. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I feel like what's going to happen in 100 years that we're like, churches are doing that now? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And so so this gets to it then. So if 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 the wrong bucket is pretty large, it's larger than the right bucket. How do I discern if this is different or if this is wrong? That's a good question. Because I and I, that's where I feel like, you know, because and, and maybe it's maybe it's motivated by like I'm trying to create brand loyalty to our consumeristic church. Maybe it's driven by that. I assume that a lot of the people that are um, being more, you know, and this I guess sounds negative because it kind of is more nitpicky about what's wrong than I would want to be. I, I don't necessarily think that their main driver is going like, how do we build a loyal brand of people who think we're the best? I'm sure there's some of that in there, but, but I also think there's probably real convictions about like, I think that's wrong, right? Like, um, you know, you and I, uh, we have a friend and I, I don't mind talking about this here. You know, Costi Hinn is a kind of ministry friend of ours and he's part of uh, a church nearby. He's planting a new church and, he believes that to sing Bethel songs and Hillsong songs and some of that is wrong, right? We don't, right? And we don't necessarily need to get into that issue. But I know Costi and I know his reasons and I've heard his reasons and I know his story and I know his background. And I like I don't think he's just necessarily trying to build a brand off of it, um, though it is building. I mean, there are people attracted to that. But I think he really thinks it's wrong. So it's going, how do you discern then? Like, he says it's wrong. We say it's different and take that issue out of it i mean you do 100 issues of like i think this is wrong i think this is just different how do you how do you discern it i think a big part of it is it's discerned in plurality this is one of the reasons why you have local elders you have church communities and being able to reason through it like uh, a lot of these issues like the songs we sing issues are not new to the church you know charles spurgeon in his hymnal wrote a whole thing about why he included songs that were written by Roman Catholics who are wrong on a lot of stuff, but they're right on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions is, who are you willing to associate with or not associate with? I think part of the, even my view, is that like a church like Bethel, which does stuff that I would never do, and a lot of stuff that I think that they probably shouldn't do, uh, I still believe that they're brothers and sisters in Christ there. Yeah. And so just this reality that if I'm going to do guilt by association, then I'm always going to be guilty. <laughs> sure. Cause I, I am, I am associated by the blood of Jesus and the work of the spirit with all people who believe Jesus Christ is dead and risen, that there's one God and his, he is father, son, and spirit. I am. I do that. This is the apostles creed thing. And this is like where I think the word heresy of if local churches think that they are the body of Christ. Whereas like we are one aspect of the body of Christ. Like this is a, the apostles creed says like this, I believe in the Holy spirit and the Holy universal church. Like there's one church, this phrase that God is not a polygamist. Mm -hmm. He has one bride. Uh, there is one Holy universal church and going really trying to fight for this to in my heart and mind really believe what I think the creed teaches, which is that there's one church and that we're all part of it. If we believe in Jesus as Lord and savior, that in his death and his resurrection as sufficient to save us from our sins. Like there's, that's why the right bucket to me is so small. Mm -hmm. And 
and even like the the wrong bucket things being wrong and i think nobody should do them or i think people who do them are in danger uh like some of the stuff that like cost you to go there obviously as christians with bethel about i'm like okay i share those criticisms mm-hmm. but if they re- produce some good fruit i'm not going to do the guilt by association thing and i think it's well and i think what we're also saying is the it's not that the different bucket i, I look at the different bucket and go it's got shades of wise and foolish yes and uh right so it's like i mean i, I do think in general in life we get in a little bit of a mess if everything is right or wrong right there are yeah. things that are wise or foolish or better or worse or you know so like i I can think of a lot of different things that like the reason we don't do them that way as a church is because we think they're not wise, but, but, but to kind of go, but they're all, they're wrong. And now these people are doing it wrong. We're more hesitant to go there. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, is that because we're just kind of soft <laughs> and like, Hey, kumbaya, let's all, you know, let's all just get along. Or is that because we have like some ability to discern that, that, or I mean, like, like, is that just a, you know, some people are a little more hard and a little more edgy and a little more, let's just say it like it is. And other people are a little more like, Oh yeah, come on, let's hold hands. You know, like, I think one of the things I'm just really slow to do is try to speak beyond, to not speak beyond my knowledge. And just, I don't know how the decisions were made. I don't know what the follow-up was. I don't know who led what, like there's stuff here, like Redemption Gateway, we're a big church. Mm-hmm. Like we're a very big church, and if you know some random person who's been coming here two months, who's not really part of leadership, does some wacky stuff, you know. That, so part of it, I just I don't feel compelled or have the desire to do research on what every other church everywhere is doing, whether it's good or bad or not. And if like if I hear a like a song that I think is really great and helpful, and and oh, this is like the quality of the song, the the lyrics of them, the Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel like it's a good use of my time or my energy to go and research the snot out of that person's family history. Sure. Just like if I go to some restaurant in downtown Gilbert, I'm like this is a great restaurant, and then you find out that the owners are losers or something. I don't know. Like <laughs> right. They're Wiccan, you know. And, sure. And they donate a portion of their ricotta sales to. I don't know. So Wiccan stuff. Wiccan stuff. Whatever Wiccan we're, stuff is. We're now violating what you just said, which is not speaking beyond our knowledge. Yeah, to Wiccan stuff. Yeah, We have and just... Like, bing, bing, bing. That's the sound of us hitting the limits <laughs> yeah, of our knowledge yeah. of Wiccan stuff. Whatever the Wiccan stuff is. But So it's like, well, I, I don't know enough about this. Uh, I don't feel like I have to do a research on the owner of every product before I buy it. Part sure. of it is like us being in the image of God is part of that. So some of it's pragmatic. The other aspect of it too is um, out of the Reformation, there developed these kind of two ways of thinking about what churches do and what churches don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is called the normative principle and one of them is called the regulative principle. And so I just, my flinch is to kind of try to lean on the wisdom of church history in my decision-making process. And mm-hmm. so the normative principle would teach that churches can do anything except for what is prohibited by scripture. Okay. That's normative, meaning uh, if you want to wave flags or paint paintings or do ballet or have a a sharing time unscripted or if you want to uh, have it on Sunday night or if you want to have it on Thursday night 
or if you want to do it inside, you want to do it outside, all this stuff is like, do whatever you want, except for the things the scripture says you can't do. Okay. Whereas um, the regular principle say you can only do what scripture tells you to do. So regular principle is like more narrow. And the regular principle mostly was developed uh, against Roman Catholicism um, because the reformers wanted to make sure the Roman Catholic Church wasn't asking people to do things like buy indulgences. Yeah. Right. So the Roman Catholic Church is coming up with the new stuff that they're like, hey, scripture doesn't say we can't do this. And so we're going to do it. Yeah. Whereas the reformers are going like, hey, unless scripture tells you to do it, you shouldn't be doing it as a church. And so that kind of like disposition, uh, recognizing that all of this is born in history and it's done reactively. Mm -hmm. Right. So here's a church who's doing something that I think they shouldn't do. I think it's hurting people. It's sinning against people. So you create a principle. Okay. Well, then there's this principle that becomes law. But even like the regular principle is not a biblical derivative. It was like it's a locally developed principle to say like, hey, we sh you should not be selling indulgences. Right. And so trying to like say like we're not going to be doing this and here's why we're not going to be doing this is different to me than even being able to condemn what other people are doing and saying I certainly know they shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the ins and outs of some of this stuff. And some, some of it feels objectively wrong. Some of it feels like possibly wrong. But I think at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before God and give an account to what I did with my local church. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give an account to God for what Timmy and Timbuktu did with his local church. Well, and this to me is one of the, I mean, beauties of Christianity is that, you know, Christianity does incarnate into the context and the community that it's in, right? If you go to churches all over the world, you just see them have a very local flavor um, I've been to mosques in multiple countries, and they all feel the same. Yeah. You know, I mean, they might be a little larger or a little smaller, um, but, you know, even kind of the, the idea in Islam, for example, that, you know, to be a true Muslim, you have to read the Quran in Arabic. It's this, you know, culturally totalitarian, uh, what's the word? Totalitarian? Yeah, it's like this totalizing. That's totalizing. Right. It's a cultural totalizing, right? Like, it has to take this cultural expression Christianity, you know, I think based especially on the incarnation of Jesus it is saying, you know, and even on the, the use of languages in the Bible and, you know, those sorts of things would say, you know, this takes on a cultural context. And, um, and so, therefore, there's lots of wisdom, right? Because we're, I mean, this whole podcast is really about the temptation to be syncretistic with culture, yeah. right? Where we're being kind of co-opted by the culture's idols and influenced in a negative way. So we have to critique ourselves. Um, but, but we don't want to go the other way and go like, well, but here's the only way to do it. And you end up where like every service is in Latin or something and no one knows what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of it too, is just trying to acknowledge that you and I are both very young and I guarantee it in 20 years, we'll look back on some stuff we're doing now and we'll think foolish. Yep. And we'll think, man, who let those dingbat little kids run stuff and teach. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it is trying to just even like think of myself in the future, judging myself in the present and just going, Oh, look at all the stuff he thought he was certain about. Oh, look at all this. Stuff. Cause as we try to, we're always trying to submit our traditions to scripture all the time. Yep. And recognizing that I'm not the same man I was even five years ago. And I'm not like, but clinging to Christ to like the clear teachings of scripture, but recognizing that methodology and practice and Gen Z and generation to generation, like things change and you know that the only Christ is true is the same yesterday today, and forever. Yeah. So how we do church, how other people do church, people are going to make errors, 
but I also want to be slow in my absolute certainty about who's making errors and who's not and recognizing that like in the grand scheme of world history and church history, our little errors we make now will become very clear. And so even this, like the Jesus saying, you know, the, the uh, measure with which you judge, you'll be judged makes me go like, well, that makes me not want to judge people that much. <laughs> well, and, and this is the next thing I wanted to ask you is because it feels to me like, um, you know, you have people who their, their different bucket is small. Their right and wrong buckets are big. We're saying, Hey, our, our right buckets, not that big. Our wrong bucket is pretty big, but our different buckets really big. And, I know in me, the temptation is to go, I'll tell you who's in the wrong bucket or is all the people who are saying that the things I put in the different bucket are wrong. Yeah. Right. And there is a kind of like, you know, you respond with what you perceive as kind of over judgmentalism with judgmentalism. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you, I how do you better than you? Cause I don't judge people. Yeah, exactly. Which is right. Like self-defeating. Like you're wrong to put all those different things in the wrong bucket. You know, that's wrong. To be a church like that, to be a church calling people out, a church naming people, a church, you know, kind of the discernment thing, you know, like that's my goal in life is to point out everything's like, I want to be really hard on those people because that's not how I think about it. That's not my sensibility. And, you know, so how do you, how do you just kind of shepherd that in your own heart? This is one of the reasons some people ask me, so who have you been listening to lately? And I'm mostly like nobody. So I don't, I listen to Luke Simmons and or myself <laughs> this is that's dangerous Seth. yeah i know you need I mean, you need broader influences but I, I read books but i'm not like listening to sermons all over the place and mm-hmm. and uh and i think part of that is because i just feel like i'm in a season in my own life where i'm really trying to fight for the difference bucket to be big like i feel like that's what i need right now i think what well, feels like that would be helped by listening to more people not fewer yeah, it maybe if you're less naturally judgmental than I am, but I tend to hear it. <laughs> like, show me podcasts and I'll critique it for you. That's my well, but that's what I mean. Like, that's you. So you probably need to listen to more people so that you can develop the ability to listen to people you disagree with without putting them in the wrong bucket. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's like I don't want to lift up that rug because it's going to be gross and I'm going to have to deal with it. So, <laughs> so I don't. You're also still recovering from a from a doctor so i yeah. feel like yeah, i'm a little burnt it's out. all a little uh, a little burnt out on learning in general that's that was my prayer request i shared at staff being the other day was pray that i would like reading again because <laughs> it all tastes like sand but that this is true within redemption like we're remarkably united in the grand scheme of church history both historically and right now globally like our tens of congregations are remarkably synced up but there's still differences just like between you and me, there are differences Mm -hmm. and going, we are, we have decided that we're going to try to live into this reality that there's one church and that even where there are some differences, we're going to maintain covenant connection. Yep. Then there's like another layer of churches of people that I have relationships with that I'm close to. You mentioned Costi, other people that I do think are absolute net positives in the kingdom of God. But we, they're like the differences we have are a little bigger or the relationships aren't as strong or, or as intimate, maybe that's probably a better word, but not as intimate. And I just really want to resist that consumer who's right, who's wrong type thing. And, yeah, and you're trying to go, we can be united because of the big things we have in common. Yeah. Not divided because of the particular things that 
we would do differently. Yeah, because it's even like makes me think about humanity in general and the pressure I see teens in right now that a lot of like this label yourself, brand yourself, add layers to your identity is people are trying to find their uh, their value and their worth in what ways that they're different than other people. Whereas I think part of what the Bible teaches is the opposite of that, that your value and your worth is rooted in what you have in common with all other people, is that you're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually what we have in common that makes us human as image bearers. And it's what we have in common that makes us Christians as followers of Jesus. And the temptation to uh, find our identity in the ways that we're different than other people uh, is actually rooted in consumerism and rooted in self-branding. Yeah. Just trying to resist that. Well, so, and it makes me think of like how, you know, you talk to anyone who watches, you know, TV during political season and they'll go, oh, these negative ads. These negative ads are the worst. I hate these negative ads. And yet you look at anyone who studies negative ads and you go, why do they keep doing them? Because they work. Right. And so this is, I think, one of the challenges for us is I think there is a part of um, a lot of followers of Jesus who hear a conversation like this and go, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to be I don't want to be caught up in judging who's doing what right and wrong. And I don't want to kind of put on my junior Holy Spirit badge and be. But but have you seen this video about how this guy did it wrong? Like, whoo, like, yeah, click, 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 you know, and uh, and there is that kind of like. You know, I saw one. There's a truer who we are that I think fights for the unity, but man, we get swept up in the tribalism fast. Yeah, I saw one commentator call it failure porn. Mm-hmm. It's like the stuff that everyone knows you shouldn't look at, but a lot of people still look at it. You'll never believe what Luke Simmons said on Sunday. I've actually never seen that video, but it'd be pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not because you're boring, just to be very clear. Well, okay. <laughs> So if you kind of, uh, if you were to have kind of a boil it down, you know, kind of your heart for the people of Redemption Gateway, I mean, that's who we're assuming listen to this, uh, as it relates to this, you know, I don't think you're saying, hey, don't have any pride in, you know, in redemption, you know, that all of life for Jesus, all of life is all for Jesus shirt you got, hey, throw that away because that's too like, yay, redemption. You're not saying that, right? There's have ownership, but what would be kind of your, your hope for us? I'd hope that we'd just really believe that, like the Apostles' Creed says, that I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of all the saints, the forgiveness of all the sins, and the resurrection of the body, that we would see other churches and not see them as competitors in the market. We'd see other churches. We'd not see them as opportunities to evaluate ourselves in contrast with them. Comparison's a thief of joy with churches and with humans. But we'd see them and we'd say, those are other expressions of the kingdom of God locally gathered, assembled, and I'm grateful to God for them, you know, flaws and all. Yep. Right. And it's, this is part of what relationships are is like, this is what marriage is. This is what friendships are is you're grateful for the whole person top to bottom in yep. and out. And the more we can be gra- grateful for other churches rather than see them as other places doing market niche, mm-hmm transference work i think it's good for our heart and our soul because then we can still like i i really love taylor but it's it's one of those like i'm pretty committed not saying like she's the best wife ever because it's i that's just a weird thing like i can say like i'm very committed to taylor and i love her and she's a great wife and i'm thankful for our marriage Mm -hmm. but once i start like playing this and she's better than your wife it's (laughs) like well what are you talking about man like that's not how it works like so like i uh 
I try to avoid that language mostly because I think it's well, silly. Well, it, it's like, you know, my kids will, you know, I have four kids. They're often asking me who my favorite is, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's moments as a parent where you kind of, yeah, I think right now I might have a favorite. But I'm, I go, I'm not playing that game, you know, and I'm not going to do that. I'm well, not if, you, that. if like, you had to pick, if you had to pick. Right. And, and I feel like that's a little bit of what we're kind of asking God to do. God, who's your favorite who's of your all favorite your kids? Kid? Right? Like, you know, those kids, they, you know, and. Uh, well, and especially because it's, we are all one bride. Right. And so asking God who his favorite wife is, he's like, I only have one. <laughs> yeah. Sure. God is not a polygamist and trying to believe that and fight for that. And just like, I, even like I just meet people at the store or at the gym who are like, oh, I go to this church and I used to go to this church, but no, 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 no. And, and it, it just breaks my heart. And I hope that yeah. that keeps breaking my heart mm. and I don't become cynical or bitter to it, yeah. but it's going, okay, every pastor sins, every elder board sins, every local believer, every local body does stuff now that they'll do differently in 10 years. Can we all just be less slow to judge and, and try to really uh, believe all things like love talks about. And yeah. I think that that's hard to do, uh, in this consumeristic culture, but I think it's part of fighting the good fight. Well, part of what I really appreciate about this conversation, especially from you is anyone who knows, you knows you're not a like, Hey, whatever guy, you know, you have real convictions. You have real strong views on stuff. You've read a lot. You've studied a lot. You have a lot of, you know, real convictions on a lot of things. And still that doesn't mean you can't have a charitable approach toward other parts of the body of Christ because it is a larger body of Christ than just the part you lead. And so I'm encouraged by that. And I think folks listening will be too. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that other churches do that I think we should not do and I would not do them, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to fight for the making a, keeping it in that bucket. I would not do that. Yeah. And the other thing that, you know, I th- and I think this has been part of our approach at Redemption Gateway over the years is to go, what are the things other churches are doing that we should do? Yeah. There's a lot to learn from the body of Christ. Like if you, you know, I, my, my coach in college, he would say, you know, if I don't get on your case, it means that uh, either you're perfect or I don't think you can get any better. Yeah. So if I'm not yelling at you, be worried because I've never had a perfect player. You know, and I kind of look at it like that, like, gosh, there, if we think we've figured it out and like, man, the way we do it now, like there's nothing to learn from anyone. Like, how arrogant is that? So is that why you never yell at me? Because I'm uh, just kidding. <laughs> we can end this conversation. I, That's fine. I said that was his approach. I didn't <laughs> that was, say that was yeah, my that approach. Was approach. Anyway, well, thanks for listening, y'all. Seth, thanks for your work on this. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yep. Yep.